Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Christian Devotion, Speak Up, the show where Christian leaders come on and share their saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and how he brought them to serve the kingdom in a big way. I'm your host, Scott McCausey, and I welcome you to stick around and hang out with us. We've got a great show planned just for you. So for the next 60 minutes, turn off the television, turn up your computer speakers, and get ready to learn about Christ through our guest testimony and our ministry. This is Christian Devotion. Speak up! Hey everybody, I'm back from vacation and looking to dive into an interview, two great interviews tonight. And for those of you looking for Luther Ellis, the former Pro Bowl defensive end for the Detroit Lions, uh, um, you won't be disappointed. Uh, Even though he can't join us tonight, I've got two fantastic guests who have been here before. And uh, we'll find out if they played NFL football. I don't think they did, um, even though my good friend Kevin Weatherby, who is a, a cow, is a pastor for a cowboy church in Colorado, uh, he's the author of a new book called The Great Cow Mission. He's got another one coming out called The Simplified Cowboy Version. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well to give you guys kind of the lowdown on what he's got going on. I don't think he played football, uh, but he does, well, he did like the Cowboys. We'll find out more about Kevin here shortly. Uh, and then halfway through the program, I'm going to bring in uh, Pastor Joe Pernito. Joe has also been on Christian Devotion Speak Up, and he's a hospice minister in California who also has a new book coming out called Identity. Uh, again, not a Detroit Lion, but an author. Um, and Joe is a great, great guy, and we're going to talk about more about hospice ministers, what they do, what this thing's all about. So you want to stick around for the entire program. Um, and last week, uh, Eddie and Cindy filled in for me. They are both the co-founders of Christian Devotion Ministries and my co-host, and I want to welcome them in. Cindy and Eddie, welcome to the show tonight. Hi, Scott. Howdy, Scott. And how you guys doing? Hunky-dory. Well... Me, I'm just blowing in the wind, man, just blowing in the wind. You're blowing in the wind. As long as you blowed into the wind last Tuesday, did everything good, go good on Speak Up? No hiccups? No? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, Cindy. We've done this, what, a couple times. I think we ran over, I don't know, we had some, some roadkill a couple times last week, I think, didn't we? <laughs> it went well. It went well. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I did actually listen. I just wanted to put you on the spot and see if you had anything uh, to add to it. But it went well. It was a great show. I enjoyed it. And, I, you know, I'm always guilty of running over. So, audience, right at the beginning, I'm going to warn you, um, if you're listening through Blog Talk, it's going to shut off after 60 minutes. But if you're listening through our website, you can listen to the whole show, even if I stream over just a little bit um, or a lot of it. We'll, we'll still have the whole thing for you. So. Hey, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys both about, because I know, Eddie, you specifically were affected by the gigantic hurricane uh, that hit this past week. Um, one of the things that, that bugs the tar out of me, though, and I'm going to throw it out to you guys, we need to come up, we need to find out and get on our show who's in charge of naming the hurricanes. Because I don't know about you, but these names they got to change like if we got the letter i we can't be calling it like irene we can call it like hurricane idiot or something like that because it's destroying things and you know or hurricane ichabob or something that's bad and i probably just offended somebody but what do you guys think well it's interesting you bring that up i was working on uh my little dixie chicken novel this morning and i needed a tropical storm so i named her phoebe um phoebe Phoebe, which is a pretty weak name. turns out in, in Greek literature, Phoebe is a bright, sunny goddess or something like that. And I thought, well, that's pretty – that'll be ironic, you know, a hurricane named Phoebe because nobody checked to see what the real 
you know name was but i agree they um i mean i irene was I, I we were making jokes around here um you know on the old um i guess it was uh when rodney dangerfield night now the, my, it slipped my mind but um anyway you know good night irene um oh sure mm-hmm and uh, so that was the thing in the Carolinas. We were all saying, you know, please, good night, Irene, go away, go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, with good night, Irene, in a lot of homes and things of that nature. So we'll want to lift uh, all those folks that are struggling right now up in yeah, prayer. Yeah, in our in our house, in the Jones house, we actually had hur- we had Hurricane Irene, but Tropical Storm Ron and Jan Benray uh, because <laughs> they, yeah. they they blew in about two o'clock Friday afternoon as refugees from Newbern escaping Hurricane Irene, and Ron and Jan spent the weekend uh, here with with us at our our house, and so um, that was that was interesting and fun. Um, if you've ever spent any time around around Ron and Janet, they're just a really neat couple to be around, mm-hmm. um, and they they sometimes will bicker like older couples will. Um, sure. Um, but uh, we talked a lot about book publishing, and so that was kind of fun. It was kind of neat to be be around with them. So. And for those listeners who don't know who Ron and Jen Benray are, um, fill us in. Who who are these folks you're talking about? Well, um, Janet was a literary agent for a number of years. She worked at Heartline, and then she started her own company, Benray Literary uh, Agency. And Ron uh, worked for her for a while as a literary agent. Um but then last year they just made the decision that the book publishing industry in general was going in a completely different direction that wasn't going to allow them to continue to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So they they left the literary business and launched their own publishing company, book publishing company, and um, they've signed some pretty high profile authors, wow. and that's that's what they're doing now. They're publishing e-books primarily, but uh, then print on demand books uh, as a you know to supplement that. And I asked them, I said, well, how are you doing? And they said, great. I mean, it's, it's taken off. Um, mm-hmm. So like, like Cindy and I, they've kind of, you know, they've kind of seen where the direction of the publishing industry is going, and they've gotten ahead of the curve and are kind of riding that wave uh, and doing real well. So uh, but yeah. the, the name of their publishing company is Greenbrier Books, uh, or you can also Google Greenbrier Patch. Uh, okay. Ron has, a, Ron has a blog called Greenbrier Patch, and he talks a lot about the publishing business. So, yeah. We got to get Ron on the show. I don't know why I haven't done that. Well, he's been on it. He's been on in the past. Um, you know, for he other was probably shows. on with Marianne many yeah, many moons ago. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. of the first in the first year we were up, I think Ron was on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then I won't get him. <laughs> yeah, I still will. <laughs> sure, you well, can. can. Yeah, we can get him <laughs> off for a short segment. You know, we don't need it for a full hour. But sure. um, he's, he, Ron is a really wise guy. I mean. Cindy and I both we at, at uh, the Ridgecrest at the Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference. Ron is one of the uh, the faculty that used to hold court on the second level with Al Gansky <laughs> and, and the others, and um, you know right. he's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, and, and Cindy, so you didn't have any ill effects. Wait, first of all, did the Benray's house is it okay or did it? What's the deal with that? Well, yeah, they they thought they had damage, and they did have some, but not as not as not like they feared. They uh, their neighbor had taken a picture of a tree that had smashed into their roof, but it turned out it just it got uh, like a an ornamental overhang, um, and oh. it crushed it crushed that, but it didn't puncture the roof, so there was no water damage, um, and they were so they were blessed there. So, um, you know, uh, they're back up and running now. We're good. good. We're good. And Cindy, you didn't have any ill effects from the hurricane. It didn't get over the mountain, right? Nope. Bright skies and 
clouds, fluffy clouds, breeze. It was very nice. We didn't. But, but you that's the only thing we got was a little bit cooler weather. But one of you guys felt uh, an earthquake when we were on vacation. Was that you, Cindy, or was that Eddie? That, <laughs> that was got Eddie. That, that was he's Eddie. had all the excitement. All stuff. Yeah, because yeah, was... I have drama in my life, but he's the one that had the drama. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was drama. I just said I was sitting here, and I thought the dog would, had. I thought the dog was scratching herself because that's usually when the floor vibrates. Is when the dog's got a flea on her and she's over, you know, <laughs> digging in. And I looked back, and the dog sound asleep. And I thought, well, okay, that means I'm. Must be washing clothes. That's the the washing machine in the spin cycle. I don't don't even know how to wash clothes. That can't be it either. So by the time I got all that figured out, it was over. So not that big a deal. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, nobody was affected by all this stuff. Well, I tell you what, I've got um, Pastor Weatherby on the line. I'm going to bring him in in just a second. But right before that, I've got a snippet of all kinds of stuff going on today. I've been getting emails from all the folks that I was – um, with at Rock Lake Christian Assembly a few weeks ago. Remember those kids did some interviews, guys? I talked about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I've got another one for you. But before I play this one, it's a little unique, so I have to explain it. Uh, a young man man by the name of Seth, very, very smart young man, uh, interviewed a fellow by the name of Dan Robinson, who is kind of the maintenance guy up at Rock Lake. But Dan's been doing some other things. Up at Rock Lake, they've got some... Um, <laughs> They've, they're putting in a new sewage system that will encompass the entire camp. And so if we, as a mission, we supported Rock Lake to help put this in, and he called himself the Toxic Avenger, just so you listeners will understand what's going on. I'm going to play this, and then from there we'll go into our interview with Kevin. Well, hang, on, hang on a second, yeah. Scott. Sure. Tell me again, the, what, what were you all putting in? They're putting in a new septic system. Okay, and this so thing's a pumping station, and it's got all of this different stuff. So as a mission, we were kind of helping support to pay for this thing. Oh, okay. Where I'm coming from, when you say something like that, that means we're getting a two-seater outhouse instead of a one-seater. <laughs> but no, but I imagine they could use it in some of these different buildings that are having to get pumped every other week. Yeah. But anyway, you guys will enjoy this interview. So let me play this thing okay. again. This is a, an edition of Fire Up Radio. I think. Come on, Blog Talk player. Here we go. Fire up, Christian fire up. Keep the fire burning in my soul. Fire up, fire up, fire up, Christian fire up. Keep the fire burning in my soul. Fire up! We'd like to welcome you to Fire Up Radio. Welcome to Fire Up Radio. I'm your host, Seth. And today, I have the Toxic Avenger with us today. Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. The Toxic Avenger fights against the, the sewage goo, the worst sewage of mankind. Avenger, when did you start fighting this sewage? Well, I had to start fighting it when it became a problem. Remember, it was like bubbling and oozing from the ground. Then I had to start fighting it off. Do you have you been have you ever been defeated by your enemy? Absolutely not. Do you have strong powers to defeat it? I have very strong powers. I have the super plunger at my disposal, and I have the pipe of avenging at my disposal. 
Classic Avenger, would you care to tell us about your alas and what your regular job is at the camp? And that word is alias that he was looking for. My alias. Well, the Toxic Avenger cannot reveal all of his secrets. But, normally, when the Toxic Avenger's not busy dealing with toxic septic ooze, he might be mowing the lawn, he might be uh, fixing other things, making tables, um, anything that needs to be fixed around the camp, the, the Toxic Avengers alias can do. Oh, well that's really cool. So how long have you been working here at Rock Lake? Um, I started in 2002, and this would be my ninth summer then, I think. Um, and I started uh, that first summer in the kitchen, working in the kitchen and um, working on the salad bar. And then from there, I went to maintenance and lifeguarding. Um, and then uh, now I'm the full-time maintenance supervisor. So how long have you been doing these things for Rock Lake Christian Assembly? And why? The reason I, I am here is because I really like uh, watching what happens to people when they're here. You know, the um, the joy and the fun that they have and also the fact that they get to learn about God and that we get to provide a place for that. Um, you know, so we can... And that that's, brings great satisfaction for me because I get to watch you guys you know, develop throughout the week and learn new things, and, and that's fun. Thank you, Toxic Avenger, for being here, and this has been Fired Up Radio. Well, you're very welcome. And that was our snippet uh, for Fire Up Radio with my good friend Seth and Salad Bar to Septic Systems. I don't know about you, but that was pretty fun and pretty interesting. Well, I have a guest waiting on the line here, Pastor Kevin Weatherby. I want to welcome you into Christian Devotion Speak Up once again. Thank you, Scott. It's it's great to be here, and, and I'm, I'm glad I'm on today because I can really help you all out. Um, I, I got to thinking about your question about the hurricanes and everything. And yes. They should they should have contacted me because I dated a girl in college called – her name was I'm going to spend all your money, and they should have named that hurricane after her. <laughs> and that would have worked, right? That would have been perfect, Absolutely. actually. Excuse me. Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, before we get rolling into questions, we have to we have to find out about this mystery between uh, first and foremost. You did not play for the Detroit Lions, correct? No, I didn't. You did not, but you do like the Cowboys. But now you've moved to Colorado. Are you changing? Are you changing your favorite team over to the no, Broncos? Of course not. Cowboys have got to ride the Broncos, right? <laughs> so I mean, it, it it God works in mysterious ways. AFC Denver Broncos and uh, Dallas Cowboys NFC. You know, I hope they play in the Super Bowl. And you know, I, I'll always be a Cowboys, but I'm a big Denver fan also. Well, there you go. That's perfect. Now, Kevin, before we uh, start talking about your big move to Colorado, um, some of our Speak Up guests may not have heard your testimony, and you do have a powerful testimony in becoming involved with Cowboy Church, the Cowboy Church movement. And I had no idea what this even was when you and I first met about a year ago. First, why don't you again tell our listeners what a Cowboy Church is? A cowboy church is, you know, people always want to categorize everything, but a cowboy church is 
the cowboy is just a culture. I mean, it really is. It doesn't matter if you're going. I've got some friends, Sean Story and Matt Foreman with Water 1042, that are over in Africa right now. Well, they had to they had to learn some stuff about the African culture. Well, the cowboy culture is no different, but they're right there in our in our backyards and and in our pastures and everything. And Cowboy Church is just a place that is. Uh, we do things specifically for them. We speak their language, and if anybody, well, you're probably listening to me going, man, that guy sounds real funny. Cowboys <laughs> got a specific way of talking. Um, they they don't like big fancy words. You know, why use a big word when you can just use a, a really simple word where everybody can understand? Um, there's not a lot of, uh, in a lot of churches I hear people talking about, you know, is it going to be a contemporary service or a traditional service? Right. With Cowboy Church, it's all cowboy music. I mean, it, it's the stuff that you hear and that you grew up with, and and it's just it's really reaching a lot of people. Interesting. Give me an example of the people that they're reaching, or nope, of your of cowboy music. I mean, are they these, oh like, typical, cowboy music? Like, oh like, man, like, just uh, listen to listen to Johnny Cash, his okay, old gospel okay. hits, uh, or Hank Williams. I saw the light. Okay. Um, you know, and then we might throw in some some bluegrass stuff, or maybe even George Strait. One of his big hits was "I Saw God Today." Okay, interesting, interesting. And uh, I'm a big fan of bluegrass, so that would be fantastic. Um, is there a specific denomination affiliation with the Cowboy Churches? There's, is there a specific doctrine um, that maybe it is is contained with these within these different organizations? No, as a matter of fact, the Cowboy Church is 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 represented all across the board. I mean, it doesn't matter. the The Baptist and the American Fellowship of Cowboy Churches have a have a big movement, and okay. I mean, they've got it all over the United States. But the assemblies have uh, stuff, I believe, and the Nazarenes, and you know, it, it's not it's not a denomination. It, it's kind of a uh, a cultural awareness. It's the simplicity. It's you know, the come as you are that we talked about. Last year and stuff like that, and it just really kind of puts a relationship with Christ before religion. Okay, okay. Now the cool part. I want to talk about this the story of you being called from the church that you and your wife were going to at the time, and attending your first cowboy church, which was in Pecos, Texas. Did I get it right? It was in Fort. Well, we were going to we were going to church in Pecos, but the cowboy church was in Fort Stockton. That was it. Tell us that story because it's pretty cool, and some of my listeners probably have not heard it. Well, we were. My wife played the piano at, at uh, West Park Baptist Church in Pecos, Texas. My great grandmother was a founding member. My grandmother was a music leader. We heard about this cowboy church. We lived on a ranch between Pecos and Fort Stockton, and we heard about this cowboy church. We'd been praying for it. We took up an offering for them to help them get started and everything. And I wanted to see what cowboy church was. Been a cowboy my whole life, so we went. And uh, we walked in this place, and the first thing I seen was two little cowboys with these little bitty ropes trying to rope a dog right there in the <laughs> church. And there's hay bales set up, and, you know, people were in there, and everybody's drinking coffee, and everybody had hats on and, and boots. They looked like me. They talked like me, and they were in church. Um, I didn't know whether to smile or duck for cover because lightning was fixing to obliterate us all. <laughs> and um, anyway, but I, I had a big smile on my face, and then you know the the preacher did a sermon on on using a rope. Uh, he he spoke in parables, 
and that related to ranching, to the cowboy way of life, and you just automatically understood it, and then he applied it to the Bible, and, and it just kind of seemed to click. And um, I looked at my wife. I was like, "Man, we got to go here." And she's like, "Uh, uh, uh, we've got other responsibilities." <laughs> and so anyway, I kind of nagged her a little bit, and uh, God really started working on me. And I'd given him my heart a long time ago, but uh, you know, I, I didn't know people actually went to church every single Sunday. You know, I was that type of guy. I loved God. You know, it didn't have anything to do with that. But, boy, when God gets a hold of you and he really starts cranking on you and mashing on you, it, it's just a wondrous sight, and I, I, I'm just so blessed to be a part of that. I think it's awesome what you just shared because I think you're you're dead on here when we talk about how God grips your heart in such a way that, like you say, uh, for a while you might be in a funk where you don't feel like you know going to church is, is the thing, but when God grips your heart to really be involved in this body, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, we, we talked uh, up here in Colorado. We have Bible study on Sunday night, and we, we talked about finding your purpose because God's got a purpose for all of us. And I said, you know, some people think that their purpose, they look look at it like getting a new job or something. They're kind of dreading. And I mm-hmm. said, man, when God reveals your purpose, it is just – it'll change your life. You You mm-hmm. can't help but do what he's called you to do. And that's yeah. my prayer that everybody will experience that. Absolutely. And in some cases, he makes you so busy, you have no time to do anything else, which in some cases even includes some of those nasty sins that you struggle with. For example, in my life, uh, helping lead a church as well as lead this program, as well as work, uh, have Family Five, uh, you know, it, God just puts these things, and it's and all of that, all that stuff is good. It's all good. I enjoy it. Um, not always my day job as much, but uh, for the most part, the Lord blesses you, especially once you realize what he has in store for you. Now, we talked about your you know, moving into this, this church in Texas. You end up being the pastor at this church. How did this happen, and did you ever envision that this would take place as you look back on your life today? Absolutely not. I mean, I we finally got over there and, uh, you know, started going and everything. I talked Christy into uh, switching over, which was hard for her because she, you know, she was playing the piano and everything. But they supported right. us, and, they, and we moved over there. And then, like I said, uh, you know, I just felt God working on me. And so one night there at, the, there at the ranch, I just called my wife in there, and I said, Honey, come here. She walked in there, and she looked at me all crazy. Thought I was going to hit her with a hot shot or something, but I told her, I said, no, it'll be okay. I said, would you get down here with me and pray? And, you know, she just kind of, okay. She said she knew all along. And uh, so I got down on my knees, and I said, God, I don't, I ain't got a clue what you'd do with an old sorry cowboy like me. I said, but you know what? I'm tired of running from you, and I want to do your will and not mine. And I said, I don't care what you want me to do. I don't care where you want me to go. You lead, and I'll follow and so I did, and then it wasn't that long after that that the preacher uh, got a promotion, and he went to work for the American Fellowship of Cowboy Churches, and he asked me to take over. And I told him, I said, I ain't no preacher. I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you are. He said, you know, I've been praying about it. And Anyway, so I begrudgingly said okay, and I was I gave the church 90 days to find him a real pastor. And mm-hmm. uh that 90 days was up, and I gave them another 90 days, and at the end of that 90 days, uh, one of the, the, the team come up to me, and they said, hey, that, that preacher that we're going to call is going to be here this Sunday. He said, we need you to preach, but uh, 
we'll we'll introduce you to him Sunday. So I said, okay. So I come in that Sunday, and I was getting everything ready, and they got there, and I was like, hey, where's this preacher at? <laughs> and a guy walks up to me, the team leader, and he he looked at me and goes, it's you, stupid. He said, we've, we've been praying for somebody and trying to find people, but it's always been you, Kevin, and, and we're going to ask you to stay. And so when it came down to it like that, man, you, you, you can't say no. So I, awesome. I took a deep breath, and, and as Cowboys say, we, I took a deep seat, and I've been there ever since. And that's really neat. And so now you 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 are ministering in Texas in the Cowboy Church, and then you've got this call to Colorado. And we talked about this uh, when you were on the show last last I think it was last year. Um, mm-hmm. Time flies when you're having fun. And we talked about this a little bit. Was there a church already established? Were you moving to Colorado to establish one based on some people over there? Tell us about that. Well, I was I was in Rifle, Colorado with I've got one of those secular jobs like you were talking about and I oh, was in sure. Rifle, Colorado and the night before I flew out my wife said I want to move to Colorado and I told her, No way, Jose. I said, It's too cold up here for a skinny skinny <laughs> cowboy like me and she said, Well, I'm gonna pray that God opens a door for you in Colorado and I told her, I said, Well you just get to doing it and so anyway the next day i was sitting in the denver airport and a man called me out of the blue never talked to the man before in my life and when i answered the phone he said he said you're gonna think i'm crazy he said but god told me to pull over right now and call you and tell you you're supposed to be a cowboy you're supposed to start a cowboy church in albert county colorado wow and i said you've got to be kidding me who put you up to this who is this (laughs) (laughs) and anyway it, it just got stranger uh from there and and we just we knew that god was was talking to us and i mean if you've never had god give you a v8 if you know what i mean by that uh-huh. and just smack you upside the head and say i'm talking to you kid <laughs> you know i mean that yeah. that's what he did with me and and it was the beginning of one of the greatest moments of my life up to this point and and it was also one of the hardest yeah so this is a church plant that you became a part of. And, and Actually, tell that's us about what we, well, that's what we started to do was come up here and do a, do a church and uh, got up here and really started praying about it. And God told me one night, he said, you know, he said, it's all good what you're doing here, and I, and I, and I support that. And he said, but what you're doing is setting up a lemonade stand on the corner. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to help. I don't want you to just start a lemonade stand on the corner. I want you to supply lemonade all across this country and all across this world. So we started a uh, ministry called Save the Cowboy. Yeah. And what Save the Cowboy does is we help start ministries. There's just the cowboy church movement is getting real, real big, but there's just not a lot of stuff media wise, book wise, uh uh Bible study wise that is geared specifically towards cowboys. And so Save the Cowboy really concentrates on on making stuff available out there that a cowboy will want to read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so we brings... started. Yeah, we started. We've helped start over seven. We started that in April, and we've already helped start seven ministries from Vermont to Washington State. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you can find out more information, listeners, if you go to um, Kevin's website, which is campfirecowboyministries.com dot com. And there's a link up there that that talks about Save the Cowboys. And I'm glad you went there because uh, I was going to go there if you didn't. Um, but through this, through this ministry.
history through these things you're doing. Now you are writing the books that you just talked about. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you back is to talk about your writings. Uh, they're some of the most unique works that I've seen. And I'm going to put uh, into my own words what I see and have you comment. Um, there okay. are many Bible translations out there, and we often must be careful about what we're reading to grasp what Scripture is saying. Um, now, what you do, as you, remi you reminded us in the last show, is not to use these things as a specific translation. That's not what you're doing. But you take Scripture and say it like a cowboy would say it. Does that pretty much right. sum up kind of the idea? Absolutely. You know, uh, the Simplified Cowboy version is not a translation. I can't speak Hebrew. You know, I can't speak Greek. I can't go back to the the there's a word that accepted you in or whatever that big fancy word is. I don't know, but you know what? Um when you talk about like maybe John three sixteen or something like that that everybody knows, you know, what I do know is that that says that uh God sent his boy to die for us and uh he was sent to save us. You know, and, and I like the simplicity of, of of that and I've just tried to go in there and not change the Bible, not add to it, not take away from it, nothing like that. Right. What I hope this Simplified Cowboy version does is somebody that may not pick up a regular Bible will pick it up, understand it a little more, and then since it is a verse-by-verse verse with the chapters and the verses and everything, they can go back to a real Bible and yeah. say, you know what, I understand that now. Sure. You know, and I have to be quite honest, uh, when I first heard about this idea, I wasn't so sure. I was like, you know what, um, I really struggle when I'm leading a church, trying to make sure I've got, uh, looking through the right versions and the different versions, and, and understanding some of those words that you talked about in regards to Hebrew so that I can actually teach about it. Uh, but what you have going on is different. Now, you have, a, we talked about your website, and on that website there's an area called um, the Roaming Trail, the Roman Trail, and... Right. Yeah, the Roman Trail, and it talks about how to become a Christian cowboy. I want to read a section from this because it gives the list, it'll give you, the listener, a little bit of an idea of what we're talking about here in regards to this. So here it goes, and then um, Pastor Weatherby, I'll have you comment on this when I get done. Okay, Paul formerly Saul would go on to write much of the New Testament. He told anyone who would listen that getting to heaven was available to anyone who trusted in Jesus and gave their life to him. Paul laid out his path to eternal life in the book of Romans. He didn't make make anything up. He just repeated what Jesus and all of the prophets in the Old Testament have been saying for a long time. If you want to live a life with purpose and meaning that will extend all the way to eternity, all you have to do is follow the Roman trail to salvation. The trail isn't about fancy ceremonies or initiation rituals. It's about how to keep feel deep inside your guts. Saddle up and take a ride with me now as we travel down the Roman trail. And here are some of the verses. Romans 3.23. Ain't none of us innocent. We're all sorry, son of a guns. Romans 5.8. God allowed his son to be killed for all of us. Well, we were still sorry, son of a guns, because he loved us so much. It's about his love, not your mistakes. Uh, Romans 6.23. The consequences of our sorriness is that we all will one day die, but death is only the gate that leads to eternity for those who believe in Jesus. So there's some uh, very interesting uh, sections that we're looking at right there. And it kind of gives us an idea of what we're talking about when we're looking at some of the some of the things that you're writing about. Maybe you could comment on how you came up and how you started just putting this all together. Well, you know, it just sometimes it's just how it's not what you're saying. You know, it goes back to the culture thing. Um, cowboys don't really, you know, when you say, you know, we're all sinners. 
you know, some people, it's just kind of looked at as kind of a churchy word, and, and we all know what that means and everything. But, you know, when you tell a cowboy, you know, hey, man, we're all sinners, they're like, yeah, yeah, what does that really mean? But whenever you tell them, you know what, we're all sorry, son of a guns, but, man, it's not about (laughs) our mistakes. It's about God's love. You know, they're like, well, hey, okay, yeah, I see that. You know, and and like I said, it's not trying to change anything, take away or add to or or any of that. It's just trying to sometimes when you just say something just a little bit different and it catches somebody's ear, it may be the key that will make them pay attention. And interestingly enough, when you read something like this, it does pull you back to look up these verses in Scripture to say, okay, now I see what the cowboy's saying here, but I want to see what, what Scripture's really saying. So it, I think it does. It, it pulls. Um, and, and I think that's really cool about what you have going on. So I wanted to share about that and give the listeners an idea to, uh, as to what this is all about. Now, the Simplified Cowboy version is not out yet. Is that correct? No, it's not. It's going to the printer's... Uh, Either next week or the week after. So, okay. but it'll just be the Gospel of Matthew right now. We're going to try to get that out there, uh, you know, just kind of as a taste. Because I guarantee you, whenever I started doing this, mm-hmm. uh, the Gospel of Matthew has 28 chapters in it. Most uh, most Bibles do. Actually, all Bibles do. But when you go to trying to put every single word in it in cowboy yep. language. It seems like it has 28,000 <laughs> chapters. Cause it's a, yeah, I thought, I'll just do a chapter a day. And I tell you what, you know, just I, I really put my heart and soul, and I, and I pray about this all the time. Yeah. And sometimes I would get to one verse, and I may be three or four days on one verse. I'll you know, just it. going, okay, mm-hmm. God, I, I, I can't get this wrong. I, I'm not trying to be flippant. You know, I, I want to reach people for you. Help me with this. And I wouldn't go on until I got help with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and there's an interesting one. And, and, Cindy, you'll enjoy this, too, because in talking about we have one of the arms of our industry, industry ministry is called ibgat.com for teens. And the reason we call it ibgat, because all the, the begats in Scripture, and in Matthew 1, you have an interesting way to, that you put this. And I'm just going to read just a section because this is really cool. This is how Jesus came all the way from Abraham and down through King David. Abraham was Isaac's daddy. Isaac was Jacob's daddy. Jacob was J- Jacob was Judah and his brother's daddy. Judah was Perez and Zerah's daddy. Tamar was their mama. I love it because that's exactly what it is. You just kind of say it a little differently. So I get a kick out of it. I think it's really awesome. Well done. Well yes, done. exactly. Good stuff. So, Kevin, uh, you know, as as we kind of wind things up here in, in our time, um, you have another book that's out, too. Why don't you tell us about the book that is already out there, The Great Cow Mission? Oh, it's been it's been a fantastic journey. Uh, it just, I, I never would have dreamed that God could, could use just old cowboy stories because that's what they are, you know, and, and mm-hmm. something that God laid upon my heart a long time ago after listening to my first cowboy sermon was talk about what a cowboy already knows and then show them that that's what the Bible says also. And, sure. you know, stuff like strength, truth, respect, uh, integrity, uh, you know, honesty. You know, one of the things about a cowboy is they pride themselves on their on their honesty. You know, if you don't want to know something, don't ask. But you know what? That's what God said also. He said, you know, to be honest whenever you talk to people. Don't tell lies and, and stuff like that. And so I just, 
I approached the Great Cal Mission like that, and I just tried to paint it in a in a little different light. It has a lot of humor in it. Um, I've I've received emails back where they said, you know, one minute I was crying and on the next minute I was laughing and then um, the next minute I found myself just in prayer. And and that has nothing to do with anything that I've done. That is just the power of God reaching out to people and grabbing a hold of them. Okay, okay. And before I let you go, I have uh, actually in the chat site, I have a question thrown out that they wanted to ask you. Uh, do you know, the question is, do you know Buck Branneman in a film out today called Titled Buck? Um, no, not personally, I don't. But okay. I have heard about it. And uh, I look forward to it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for being on Speak Up again. You know, telling us about your new books that are coming up, your works in Colorado, and also uh, how you're spreading the the love of Christ by opening up churches. I think that's pretty awesome. Well, I appreciate that, and I just want to say thanks to to all y'all, you and Eddie and Cindy. I mean, what y'all are doing. I mean, um, I don't think y'all will ever realize the people that, that y'all are reaching and, and the things that y'all are doing. And, and I just, I thank God for y'all. Oh, well, thank you for being with us, especially on short notice. Uh, it was great to bring you in. And I knew I could bring you in on short notice because uh, we're buds and we keep up on Facebook, so this has been pretty fun. And uh, informing our listening audience of what's going on around the country is what we have to do and, and continue to do so. So God bless your ministry, Kevin, and we hope to talk to you again soon. Hi, man. I'm always here. Y'all take yeah, care. Cindy, Cindy. I was going to say before he goes, he promised me a devotion. I knew she was going to say that. I was just oh, I don't have a lasso uh, that reaches to Colorado. <laughs> okay, uh, for for all the listeners out there, Cindy is is ex, uh, is really giving a great example of holding somebody accountable for what they said that they would do. And, and, and thank you. I think about you a lot, but I told you why. And do you remember why I told you I hadn't got you on yet? No, I don't. I'm sorry. Because your stuff is so great, and mine is just <laughs> old cowboy yeah. stuff. And so, anyway, I, I don't know that That's I've really heard the losing. Well, hey, guys, we love y'all. And if you're ever in Colorado, uh, I've got a bunkhouse for you. So come on. You got it, my friend. Take care. And, again, God bless your ministry, Kevin. We'll talk to you soon. Y'all take care. Bye-bye. All right. I have Joe Pernito on the line as well. So what I'm going to do is take a quick break. and we come back from that break, we'll have uh, Pastor Pernito with us about uh, his ministry, his books, and all the good stuff he's got going on. This is Scott McCausey with Christian Devotion. Speak up. Social networking, on-demand programming, and media streaming have changed the way couples and kids relate, react, and worship. Can we keep family devotions in our loop? Faith and Family, a devotional pathway for families, brings mom and dad, sister and brother together for a small dose of God's word and wisdom. Each devotion presents a story or situation dealing with a contemporary issue. Questions are included at the conclusion of each devotion to help start a discussion and encourage families to pray together. These short slices of personal testimonies offer instant inspiration and thoughtful reflection, making this book the perfect addition to any family. Faith and Family, a devotional pathway for families. Published by Lighthouse Publishing of the Carolinas. 
And we're back. This is Christian Ocean Speak Up, and I have with us now Joe Pernino. Joe, are you with me? Nope. Not here. <laughs> well, if that's not Joe Pernino, I don't know who it is, but so I'll just interview you anyway, regardless of who it is. How you doing? Fair enough. Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and uh, as I said at the beginning, we've been kind of having fun with this. Uh, you're not Luther Ellis, and you did not play for the Detroit Lions. Um, but did you play football growing up, Joe? Okay, well, first of all, let me say, I, of course, I'm Detroit-born. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm as cl- close to Luther Ellis as you're going to get today because I am <laughs> from Detroit. Um, That's true. But as far as, but as, far as playing football, a uh, really nice story. Of course, I played football in high school because who didn't? And... Um, <laughs> uh, here's how I, but let me tell you how I played football. I yeah. got to go to the practices, and um, you know, I was I was one of those kids that went to the practices and just waited to get all my gear. And the day that I was about to get my gear, my mom paid for everything. Um, I went to grab my gear, and they said, uh, "You guys are going to have to cut your hair," uh, meaning me and my brother. Well, we right. had hair down to our waist at the time. So well, didn't everybody right hair. to play football? Of course, of course. You know, you need to have long hair. That's exactly. Kind of we get our strength, but I, uh, you know what? I just I turned them down. I said, you know what? I can't believe you would ask me to cut my hair. And I went home, and I thought my mom would be just as thrilled with my decision as I was to not play yeah. football. And uh, right. uh, let's just say it's still a sore topic around the Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> so there's so no there's there's no statistics about NFL uh, sacks coming out of you, Joe. But you know, you gave it a crack, and that's all we can ask. I did, but you know what? I, I finally got rid of my hair, got rid of all my split ends, and I'm doing better. So <laughs> here I am. Now, Joe, you were on you were on Speak Up last year, and you shared about your trek to the West Coast. You also shared about your time in Nashville that I uh, find still today very interesting. Tell us about your passion for music and your time in a number of different bands. Well, uh, of course, I, I started playing music when I was younger. My family played music. Um, I uh, was in one of my first big bands when at the age of uh, 15 years old. And when I say big band, I mean we were playing in front of a good crowd of 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, finally, about 18 years old, I got signed to a record label. They said, if you want to come on with us, then you're going to have to uh, move yourself to Nashville. So I did. Um, we uh, we went and recorded our album, did some touring, hung out with some great people, and uh yeah, I, I I love music. I still play the bass, and for the most part, I, I play more with worship teams and stuff like that here and there, but um, definitely a great opportunity, I'll, I'll say that. I love music. You know, something I just uh, was reminded of when I asked that question was uh, you and I were talking on Facebook about uh, doing a little karaoke. I, I should have I uploaded uh-huh. some Bon Jovi because I think we were scheduled to do that, and we never did. You know what? And it's funny you even say that because as I was sitting here waiting, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, you know, we're supposed to do living on a prayer. Yeah, and, that's it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, okay, here we go. Tell <laughs> no, but we're not going to actually. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, then I guess we should move forward. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just going to push forward and do that okay. another time. See, I got bad trouble singing that at work once, so I, I vowed never to sing it again. But it, you know, oh. Like well, yeah. well, I, here I am in my office. I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Now, looking back through the past chapters of, of your life, uh, were you convinced when you were involved in music? I mean, here you are. You signed a contract at 18. You cut a record, all of these cool things. Um, did you think this was something you were going to do, playing music for, for a life? 
uh, I had hoped. You know, I, I had thought that I would be playing music for life, which is the reason why I uprooted myself and went to Nashville to begin with. Right. Um, but uh, but as I was there, um, I, I found myself having a having a lot more fun and being more excited to share the Word of God on the nights that we were performing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the guys would get on the platform and they'd be all stoked and ready to play. And, mm-hmm. and I was stoked to play. I mean, I had a great time, but I just couldn't wait for that opportunity that I got to step to the mic and open up the Bible. And um, while I was there, I went to Victor, Victory Leadership Institute to uh, get some schooling under my belt. And, and, and it's kind of weird. It's almost like the, the Lord just planted a seed while I was there. Um, to uh, to kind of show me, you know, hey, here's your opportunity to do music if you want to do that as a career path, but let me plant another seed in you and, and maybe point you in a different direction. And I'm telling you, I mean, as for for so many years that I wanted to do music, it was very odd to all of a sudden have this new passion and this uh, this new desire uh, rather than music. So. Right. Um, and that's exactly I where I want to go. In, in talking about, the, in with this next question, we talk a lot about God, the gifts God gives us. And God, God obviously blessed you with a knack for playing music, and it sounds like you still do. Um, how did you? But how did He move you in a direction you are today, as a hospice minister? And um, did playing music or anything transition or help this transition, or was it a completely different and a, almost like a severing of two different paths? You know, I, I'd like to say it's a severing, but I'd kind of say it's more of a blending. Um, when I uh, when I moved back to California, I started doing some youth ministry and uh, and started working for immigration, which is completely different than everything. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but somebody actually just asked me, you know, knowing that I I'd gone to school and I had my uh, my license and ordination, they asked me if I wanted to do hospice ministry. The funny thing is, though, is that when I was probably about seventeen, eighteen years old. I was thinking, you know, it'd be kind of cool to to be like a priest that goes and, and reads last rites and, and visits the sick and, and stuff. I thought that would be really cool, but I had one dilemma. I wasn't Catholic. I wasn't a priest. And uh, and I didn't know how I can go about doing that. Um, right. But when this door opened, it, it was kind of, it was kind of uh, amazing that it opened this way. It just kind of opened up and said, hey, do you want to do this? Um you know, it kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, I guess I did kind of want to do this. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's kind of cool how God brings things full circle, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. It, it is. So here I am. I'm a Christian pastor, and I get to visit people and pray with them while they're uh, while they're uh, nearing this life's end but getting ready to enter into the kingdom of God for eternity. It's amazing. You know, it, it is amazing. It seems like um, this sort of job takes a special person with special skills. I mean, uh, here you are going in to talk to these folks that are at the end of the line, uh, their families. And and the reason I'm continuing this line of questioning is we're going to get to your new book and where that specifically is mentioned. Now, one of those skills which you talk about a little bit um, in your new book is listening. Did it take a while to have the patience to get there in regards to this? Because not all of us are good listeners. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but even as a as a kid, I was one who was very quiet um, to the point where teachers would uh, would talk to my parents and say, I think there's something wrong with Joey. He's not talking. He doesn't talk in class. Um, he pays attention. He may not get good grades, but he just, he, which maybe that doesn't show how well I listen, but um, <laughs> uh, but I, I <laughs> but I wasn't that big of a talker. Um, 
these days some may say different, but um, but it was one of those things where I, I think because I was so young, I mean, Scott, I was 25 years old when I went into this field. Uh, right. So 25 years old, I, I felt a, I felt like God just kind of threw me out there to say, hey, try this. Uh, yeah, you're young, but here, we'll go ahead and stick you on the doorstep of these people. Um, I really didn't, um, I really had no other choice but to learn how to listen because I wasn't fully sure how to respond because these were issues right. that I'd never been presented with before. Somebody's at the end of their life, they're asking me why. Why Why do I have this disease? Or, uh, you know, a parent asks why their, why their child is nearing the end of their life when they're only in their teens. And I had no other choice but to listen to them and at the same time uh, listen for direction from the Holy Spirit on how to respond. Yeah. And, and you know? do you remember the first time where you went to a place and... and um... Did you have second thoughts, or after you were done with your visit, was this was it like this is it? This is exactly what I need to be doing. I can remember my first day working, and um, and I was going around with my friend Greg, and he was the one who trained me, a, a hospice pastor for a long time, and um, I just thought it was awesome. I mean, I, I saw him just opening up his Bible and reading to people, and mm-hmm. and, and giving them hope and encouragement, and. Uh, and I instantly knew. I mean, I was hooked on it. I mean, I, I was excited to get to work. I was excited to, to meet new people, to hear their stories of their life and, um, and learn from their, from their stories. I mean, you, get to, you, you do learn quite a bit from somebody who's nearing the end of their life, um, right. that they reflect on their life. But um, I, I never looked back and said, oh, gosh, I really don't want to do this. But I definitely have a lot of interesting um, memories. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Some that are scary, some that are uh, miraculous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, I want to ask you a few more questions about what you do as a hospice minister before we dive into your new book, which is Identity, because it really sounds like the inspiration behind your writing is through these meetings and stories that you've that you've shared or, and and people that you've met. Obviously, in hospice ministry, you're meeting with a family and those are about to die. Uh, how do you ready yourself? to visit a home or a hospital and meet these folks who are struggling um, the first time that you meet them? How do you, how do you ready yourself to do that? Well, you know, that, that's an interesting question because uh, I can be in, in a lot of different situations in any given day. Um, you know, I wake up early, first of all. I wake up early. I do spend some time in prayer um, and reading the Word. Um, between my visits, because I'm driving, I could be driving from one place to another, which could be 30 miles in between. I usually have music on, <laughs> listening to some sort of worship music, or in some cases, honestly, some nice hardcore Christian music. Um, <laughs> just because I kind of come from that genre. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, I do have to say that if I'm in a position where there's a lot of stress in my life or something like that, uh-huh. it's, very, it's very difficult. To, uh, to be able to minister effectively because I've got so much on my mind. So I really have to try and maintain some sort of a, a, a serene day in some ways mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. I can, you know. But readying myself is more of a matter of just uh, spending some time in prayer, asking the Lord for guidance and wisdom. Um, I definitely claim James 1.5 all the time. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. And just say, Lord, you've got more than enough to give, and I'm walking into a situation that I may be uncertain of, so... Give me all the wisdom I can that you want to give me for this uh, this visit. Mm. And it's got to be hard, as uh, I'm sure you're establishing relationships with those you 
more comforting. Share a little bit about this as you get to know some of these people. Yeah, I can I can remember one particular lady who was on service with us for almost four years. Um, she had an amazing, amazing faith. Um, uh, while she was on, the reason why she was on service was because she had 11 heart attacks. Uh, in the meantime of having, the reason why she had 11 heart attacks is because her husband had passed away and two of her sons had passed away from cancer, all within a period of a couple months. Um, so with that, she was on service with us. Uh, for quite some time. Uh, while she was on service, her third son was diagnosed uh, with cancer and had passed away mm-hmm. with us. Uh, but she continued, and she continued pressing on and believing the Lord. But um, the day that she passed away, Scott, it was amazing. I showed up at her house, and there was a pen in her hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're looking around. Why is there a pen in her hand? Well, we looked on the ground, and there was a checkbook. And it turned out that the very last thing that she did before she passed away was she wrote out a tithe check to her church. And it just showed me how much faith this this woman had. She lost her entire family. She prayed them into heaven. I mean, that's what she said. Maybe God just has me here so I can pray and lead them to the Lord so I can be with them when I get there. But the just that demonstration of faith that she would have that pen in her hand um, and that legacy that she left behind um, to the EMT workers and everybody that would see uh, this check written out to the church is just amazing. It's it still, amazing. Uh, yeah, it still uh, kind of chokes me up a little bit. That's a powerful uh, story, and yeah, the hairs on the back of my neck just stood on end when you were sharing it. You know, when I'm writing down this this next question I'm about to ask, I, I almost felt like it was kind of callous, and I wasn't sure if I should ask it or not. But um, yeah. after what you just talked about, I, th- I don't think it is at all, because uh, my question is this. Someone's at the end of their life. You, you, you've kind of almost befriended some. You have befriended some of these people. Mm-hmm. Are there aspects of your job that are rewarding? And in other words, do you learn some intricacies of life that you can apply to your own from these folks that you're ministering to? Oh, well, definitely. And I think that's something that you'll probably see in a lot of my writing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the first book that I wrote, Living and Dying Without Regret, um, was was probably where I really began to understand um, that there's a lot to learn here. Um, as I'm speaking with somebody and they near the end of their lives and they're talking about the regrets they have and the things they wish they would have done and, and, and would not have done, um, this really shows me that uh, we have to, you know, I'd say uh, carpe diem and, you know, in the way that we need to seize the day. Uh, in the way that we need to utilize each day um, for the glory of God, um, to make it our aim to be a blessing to God and to be a blessing to others. And um, and, and when you're meeting with people at the end of their lives and they their whole life has been stripped away, everything they worked for in their life has been stripped away, and the only thing that's left is their being and their hope of eternity in the kingdom of God, you begin to look at your life a little bit differently and say, you know what, maybe I don't need all of this. Maybe I don't need this world. The only thing I really need is my relationship with God and that which lasts forever. And um, so, yeah, I, I've definitely learned a lot. And as far as the rewards are concerned, uh, it just helps me that much more to realize I need to work out my own salvation uh, with diligence. Absolutely. And that's kind of where you, exactly where you're writing heads in that direction. And it's got to be hard seeing these people who are struggling with exactly what you just talked about. Here they are. Uh, at the end, and they're looking back and taking an inventory of all the things that they've done. And at that point in time, it's 
you can't go back and redo all those things. So it's it's got to be difficult, and that's why I think in getting a sense for identity, your new book um, is here. It's so that we can pick it up and, and look at some of these different stories that you share and say, okay, life isn't over. We need to start living it right now, and we live it for Christ. And when we live it big for Christ, like I was talking to Pastor Weatherby about, awesome things start to happen. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of put away all the selfishness and just give yourself uh, to others, which is exactly, I think, what Christ wants us to do. Um, your new book, I want to give it the, the full name. It's Identity, Abandoning Life's Temporal Masks in Pursuit of Eternal Identity. Uh, sort of, it, it takes us here. We learn through some of the stories, like the life of a man named Hal, uh, a man who became your friend, who struggled with what life was going to be like when he died. Tell us about the book and what hope uh, and what you hope and pray people take from it. Well, uh, let me start with, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, I started writing this book before uh, climbing the end of your rope. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kind of set this one aside a little bit. And the reason was is because um, I definitely had a, a burden for looking at the world and realizing that people spend their lives trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, yeah. You know, trying trying to trying to look a certain way and trying to portray a certain identity um, that is well pleasing to the world and and applauded by the world. Um, in this book, um, I, I really had to be careful that I wasn't coming across as judgmental mm-hmm. um, because that wasn't my heart in the matter. What I just really wanted to do was was point um, was to try and help point people to. The reality that life is not just about who we are here today, but that there is something greater. Um, as far as um, the scriptural basis of this, you know, I, I really took it out of Romans 12:2, where it says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Um, or, or even a greater translation that is, "Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think." And as I looked at that, I thought, changing the way you think. So in this book, we go through a lot of different, uh, you know, different things. And, and I think the world struggles with trying to find an identity. And we see that with a lot of teenagers these days. So yeah, I go yeah. into a lot of different, you're right. I go into a lot of different things, starting with, you know, uh, the pursuit to fit in and to be accepted. Um, you know, the identities that we look through, look for in our own image and appearance, uh, identity and addictions, luxuries, uh, just the pursuit to impress others and things like that. And I, uh, I use real stories uh, in the book to explain some of these topics. But then I jump to the flip side of instead of looking at these temporal identities and these temporal masks that, Scott, you and I know very well, that when we meet the Lord, uh, those masks are going to be stripped away. So my my challenge in this book is to peel this mask away now. So that way you can end your life confident that God will call you a child of God when you get there because you've lived in such a way, because you've lived as a child of God. And um, and that's where I kind of go into the second part of it, of, of being kingdom-minded and, and pursuing an eternal citizenship and, and making it our aim to be pleasing to God and glorifying God and ultimately finding our identity in Christ. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, you know, going into even what Paul says in Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer uh, I who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me. And it's a matter of taking that whole new identity, that Christ-centered identity. It's not me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. That's and right. the question is, how do we live that way? And that's, and those are some of the uh, uh, some of the topics I deal with in identity. 
Absolutely, and we talked a little bit about that the last time you were on. We're going to stream over, listeners, just a little bit. So if you're listening through Blog Talk Radio, you can go to our website to hear the end of this interview. It's at www.christiandevotions.us. We won't be over but a couple minutes, but I have one more question I have to ask. Uh, There's so much confusion and fear uh, in the life of somebody that's dying. It seems that way, anyway, when you you read some of the work that you have out there and, and you're meeting these people. A confusion of fear that can be enveloped by the love of Christ. Do a large percentage of the people you minister to at the end of their lives, uh, if they don't already know who Christ is, are they searching? Yes, yes. Um, I'd say a majority of the people that I meet with um, have already explored, <laughs> and they've already right. been looking and searching. Um, a lot of them have uh, gravitated back towards their original belief system when they were kids. Um, you know, but a majority of the people that I sit down with are more than willing to talk about the Lord and willing to allow me to open up Scripture. And what I've kind of made it my aim to do, I mean, I'm I'm a corny guy, I'm lighthearted, I don't come across as somebody who's like the Grim Reaper, you know, for lack of a better term, but I don't just walk in right. like, I'm here to read you a Scripture. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, uh, I do tell very corny jokes, and I try and get a, a smile cracked because sure. uh, if we can get smiles and we can get laughter, well, then the heart opens and we can begin to to minister a little more effectively. And um, uh, so they're definitely searching. Uh, I've seen plenty of people who have fear, um, but it's such a great opportunity when somebody comes to me and they say, I just don't know where I'm going to go. Um, I How do I get there? What do I need to do? And I've done so many bad things over my lifetime, and uh, and they have all this regret. And it's just such an honor that God's given me the privilege to step into the end of somebody's life and be able to tell them that regardless of what they've done, God's grace is sufficient for them. And if they would just lay their lives down and they would turn from that sin and make Jesus the Lord of their lives, that their place is secure in the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, so... It's it's really cool, but I use this kind of funny uh, thing. I use it kind of in um, in funerals quite a bit too when I do funerals. But I'd say you know the the scripture says that there is a, a book of life, right? And uh, and everybody's name who's written upon it is has their place reserved in the kingdom of God. So the question I ask is, if there's a marking next to your name, would there be um, would there be a P for pending, or would there be, there be an R for reserved? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it kind of, kind of is a little bit thought-provoking, like pending. Why would it be pending? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, it kind of opens them up a little bit. But, um, but definitely a great opportunity to share. Yeah, absolutely. And some of us probably have our name up on the board, and with three check marks, you have to go see the principal. With no, that's bad. You don't want that going on. <laughs> that's no, no, true. true. <laughs> now, Joe, I only have one more thing because we're running over. The book is called Identity, and we'll grip you. Folks, you have to get, get onto this. And you can go on to Joe's website, joeprenito.com, and you can get that. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon uh, as well. So uh, where else can folks get this book? When does it release, Joe? And when do I receive my signed copy? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll be coming to Michigan probably for that. I'll have to meet you for coffee. But, um, <laughs> Done deal. <laughs> uh, but um, – well, you're going to be able to find it pretty much anywhere books are sold as far as, you know, online, definitely Barnes & Noble and I'd say Borders, except for they're going out of business. So all of those, it'll be an audio book. It'll be on ebook for the iPad. So if you've got the iPad, it'll be on the, the bookstore there. Um, 
When's it going to be released? Scott, you won't believe it. It's not even in production. Production doesn't start until November, so this book is not going to be out until the middle of next year. Okay. So what's happened here is because you have invited me on before production, I believe it's in my contract here that you sent me that I get to be on again when the book is released. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll talk more when it's released, and I'll tell you a little bit more. How's that? That sounds good. I'll trade, I'll trade you the signed copy to bring you back. Is that a deal? Um, okay, that's a deal, sure. All right, just kidding. That's a deal. Yeah, that's a deal. All right, All sounds right. good. Well, we are way over, but Joe, I want to thank you for being on with us here tonight at Christian Devotion Speak Up. Thanks a lot for having me, Scott. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, God bless you. And folks, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drive home and grab up my family, hold them close, because uh, the identity that I share with them is one that I truly love and hold precious. I hope you do the same with your family. Snuggle up close, open God's Word, find out what He has in store. We'll see you again next week with Mark Eckel, the Jesus Painter. It'll be an awesome show. Take care, everybody.